the, the title of my message today is uh, Character. I, I, my uh, message, Terry, I told him, loss of character. And then, uh, then I had, uh, before I sent that one, I had the sorrow of, of a disobedient character. <laughs> so I ended up with just saying character. Well, character is our mental and moral qualities. Our, our character is what makes us up, our mental, moral qualities that uh, each individual have. So we know that some people are real characters. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, well, often we use that in the terms of a real character. They're, they're those people that are just, you know, they're off on their own a little bit too far. <laughs> Their, 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 their characters are not one that you want to be part of. And uh, so they're, they're a real character. Well, character uh, is, can also be who we are when no one is watching. <laughs> you know, when no one knows what's around, no one knows us, what, what, are, what would we do? Would we be any different than we are when everybody is watching? And we find that... Man loves darkness. The scripture says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So speaking of their character, they have an evil character. So the challenge is that we want to, as Jesus says, that I am the light, he's the light of the world, and that we walk, at, we walk in the light as Christ is the light. So for our character then, we are to follow the light, follow the footsteps, follow Jesus Christ. Now, um, some in there, um, I guess being funny, say, if, if you ever are in a car accident, don't go to the light. <laughs> Meaning you go to heaven. Yeah, so stay away from the light because that means you're going to die. Well, in, in our way of, in my way of thinking is you're going to the light. Hey, that's good. We're, we're out of here. We're, on, we're going to heaven and we're, we're done with this place. So... Going to the light or being part of the light of Jesus Christ is not a bad thing. So we want, that, we want our life to be involved in the light of Christ. And we find that as we study the scriptures and we allow the Holy Spirit to make the scriptures real to us, that the moral qualities and the mental qualities that we possess are establishing and creating a good character. We are creating good qualities Qualities that would be fitting a, a follower of Jesus Christ. So we want that character of Christ to be our character, which is, you know, to love our enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. That we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind. So what we're doing is creating a character. We're creating a person, a per, a person with ethics and, and good ethics and strong ethics and principles. So when we're talking about character, we are establishing who we are. And this is, I, I tell people that, you know, whenever you're dying or whenever a person dies, everything that is life in them, that character, that person, everything that is life in them goes to heaven for the Christian. Everything that is life in them goes to be with God. And so we are creating this person. God is creating this person. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit's help to create this character in us that we are the image of Christ. Follow, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So we're seeing that in his character, he was, he was able to maintain that relationship with Jesus and not allow the situations that he faced 
to damage or cause him to go against that character. Well, we know that Paul was beaten with rods. He was stoned and drug out of the city for dead. He was shipwrecked a day and a night in the deep. He had lots of opportunities to test his character. <laughs> you know, what do you do when you're floating around in the ocean with no life vest <laughs> and no beacon to, to hone in on? You're floating around for a day and a night in the deep. But so whenever we see this character, these character traits, we are building them. And if there are flaws, no problem. We, we work on them, habits. Often we think of habits that um, people have a habit of doing things. Well, if you want to create good habits, you do them every day for, what is it, we'll say 28 days. You do it every day for 28 days, and you've changed giving up one habit and creating another. You can't give up something without creating something else. You know, well, I'm not going to do, well, I'm not going to spend the next hour watching TV. I'm going to do something else. Okay, what are you going to do? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what are you going to end up doing? Watching TV. <laughs> Why? Because you didn't fill it up. You didn't fill that spot. So you've got to create something to fill the spot that is vacant. So you're giving something up, well, then you want to take something good on. So grace and mercy, that's the character of God. God's character is one of grace and mercy. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He knows us, as we were saying earlier. He knows us whenever we were in our mother's womb. He has planned out for us our life. He has all the good things in plan. So his character is wanting to bestow this upon our life. Well, today I'm looking at uh, King Saul. And we see, we see with Saul, he, is a <laughs> he has a good character and he has a bad character. And... We find that as, um, well, as we look at this, Saul was the first king of Israel. And he reigned 12, 1020 to 1000 B.C. He was a man of valor who, who brought virtues of modesty and generosity to this office of being king. So he was a good guy. First um, Samuel 9, verse 1. There was a Benjamite a man of standing whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zior, the son of uh, Bikorah, and the son of Aphia, of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. So, <laughs> if when you look at Saul, he looks like a king. I mean, he is handsome. When the Bible says they're handsome, they're handsome. <laughs> you know, and talks about the ladies and them being beautiful, they were beautiful, right? So anyhow, Saul is this handsome young man who just stands out from the crowd. And so he is the one who becomes the first king of Israel. He is the youngest son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin. And Saul was a modest shepherd boy. Sounds familiar. We know about David being the shepherd. Well, so was Saul. He was a resident of Gil, uh, Gibeah. When the prophet Samuel, after a chance meeting, oh, here we go. Now, there's a whole lot of this I'm leaving out. But um, Saul was out looking for his dad's donkeys. <laughs> they wandered off. Okay, so they're wandering, Saul's wandering around for a couple of days looking for these donkeys, and he can't find them. And so... 
Um, finally, he's, you know, he and his um, servant, the guy who was with him, uh, they say, you know, we, we, you know, Saul wants to go back home. This, the, his servant says, no, there's a seer. And in, in the um, Old Testament, a seer and a prophet were the, you know, synonymous. And so the um, guy who is with Saul tells him, let's go see the prophet and let him tell us what's going on. So this is the chance meeting that Saul has with Samuel. Samuel is the prophet. In, in 1 Samuel 9, 19, um, he says, I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me. And I, and in the morning, I will send you on your way and, and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned? Now, this is kind of hard. So we found your donkeys. The desire of Israel, what was the desire of Israel? They wanted a king. Because these, these, twi- these tribes, as we mentioned, the land of Israel, they had the center where the tabernacle was. And each of the 12 tribes had had slices, you know, pie, cut a pie in slices. Well, each of these tribes had a slice of the pie extending outward from this center spoke. So it went out from there. Well, what happened is each of these tribes had their own leaders, had their own clans, but they couldn't get along with each other. (laughs) They couldn't agree over anything. So they wanted a king, they thought, would unite them to fight their enemies. Because their enemies would come in and just fight one tribe, and the other tribes wouldn't help them. <laughs> that's not our problem. That's, that's their problem. And so these enemies would come in and, and defeat and destroy parts of Israel and parts of the nation, and the other parts wouldn't help. So they figured, let's have a king. We need a king to fix this. That's the desire of Israel. And so they, um, they wanted Samuel to... Give them a king. Saul said, verse 21, now this is Saul's response to Samuel telling him about, you know, all of Israel's turned towards you and this. He says, but I am not a Benjamite. Excuse me. I am, but I, am I not a Benjamite? Meaning, I'm, I'm just a nobody. From the smallest tribe of Israel. And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? So Saul is not this, yeah, I'll be king. <laughs> no, it's not Saul. He's this like, wow, I mean, you know, he's, he looks like a king. He's handsome. He's head and shoulders above everybody. He could have done the commercial. <laughs> head and shoulders. <laughs> Troy Palomaro. <laughs> to, those, those of you, to those of you who don't know, Troy Palomaro is the former sailor of the big head of hair. There's more to him than that, but that's what it is. So Saul was, um, he was very humble about this. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. The tribe of Benjamin, the slice of the pie, we're not very big, and my clan, my family that's within this slice is the least of them, is the least of the groups in my, in my clan. And um, why would you say something like that to me? So he's kind of telling Samuel, you got your wires crossed. So, for Israel, it was a time of humiliation. 
The Philistines had defeated the Israelites. Now remember, way back when, when God gave Jacob, when, when um, Joshua is leading the children of Israel into the promised land, God says, take the land and drive out all the inhabitants of the land. Well, they don't do that. They let, they let them stay in the land. Well, what happens is these people, they let stay in the land. They have their own fortresses. They have their own families. They build their own armies. And then they fight against the Jewish people. So anyhow, the Philistines had defeated Israel at Shiloh and captured the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was the symbol of God's presence. Now, in, in those days, the, the gods were the symbol of the people. So if the Philistines could capture the ark, it meant the Philistine god was greater than the god of Israel. So the you know, Philistines are all excited. Our god's bigger than your god. <laughs> you know, well, God left them lose because they were just playing their religion and God was fed up with them. So... This calamity then convinced Israel that they needed a king. They needed some national unity. Rather than uniting themselves under the prophet of God, like Samuel and other prophets, the people decided, we don't want a prophet. We want a king. So, we don't get along with each other, but if we have a king, <laughs> that'll be the thing. Now, for our own lives... When we start looking at things, but if I had this, that would be what I need. Okay. You know, if I just had this, this is what I need, it'll make everything work. Well, sometimes we get that and it doesn't work. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 17, Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the land of Mizpah and said unto them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt. Now, he's always reminding them. It's all right to remind ourselves of everything that God has done for us in the past. Never forget what God has done for you. And whenever you pray, I remember God when you blessed me. I remember God when you protected me. I remember, and we remember those things and bring them to our, you know, I remember the answer to my prayer. It's all right to do that. Well, this is what Samuel is saying to the people. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who, saved, who saves you out of your disasters and your calamities. And you have said no, basically no to the prophet. Appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. So he's, Samuel's telling, you voted no to God, so I'm going to give you a king. When Samuel had all of Israel come forward by tribes, so here you have all these slices of the pie, you have the leaders of those tribes all coming to Samuel. Come forward, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. So Saul, excuse me, Samuel was not just saying, I want you. He's, he's, they chose Lot's. Now, how they did this, I don't know. It was Urim and Thummim, and we don't know what they are but it was a way that God was able to distinguish, they were able to distinguish God speaking to them. So anyhow, they cast their lot, and they brought forth the tribe of Benjamin. 
And then they had the clans, the, the family groups within the tribe of Benjamin. They cast the lots. And uh, Matthias, Matrias, his clan was chosen. And finally, out of the clan of Matrias, there was Saul, the son of Kish. So cast the lot, Benjamin. Cast the lot, you have a clan. Cast the lot again, you have Kish, and you have Saul. So that's how they came up with Saul to be king. But God had already spoken to Samuel, he's going to be king. And the Lord said, okay, so they inquired. First, I'll back up a little bit. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, when they looked for Saul, they couldn't find him. <laughs> Where's Saul? We want to anoint him king. Where'd he go? So they inquired further. <laughs> Maybe he, he has the man come here yet. Did he arrive here yet? <laughs> Where's he at? And the Lord said, this is God speaking to Samuel. Yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. <laughs> he's, he's hiding. I don't want to be king. <laughs> so when we're looking at the, the you know, you ever say, I, don't, I don't need that job. I don't want to be king. And so Saul's hiding in the, in, the, in, the, in the supplies. You know, he's in the supply wagon. They ran and brought him out. <laughs> so, so we're setting up the character of Saul. He's, he's not this egotistical guy. He's, he's an individual who genuinely at this point in his life is very humble and, and basically afraid of this whole situation because there, are no other king, there was no other king to follow. It was him. Samuel said to the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. You see, look at him. He looks like a king. That's how Saul was chosen. Well, Saul then was active as a king. He freeing the Israel from its enemies and extending its boundaries. Um, there were many, again, there, you know, with any individual, there were, and it talks about it in the scriptures, there were many who were praising Saul, but there were some who were, on, you know, the critics on the sideline. How can this scoundrel save us? That's what they told, called Saul. He's a scoundrel. How can this scoundrel save us? Well, whenever, whenever you uh, do something well, uh, there are people who will praise you, and then there are people who will. What on earth is that scoundrel trying to do? So Saul sought, fought successfully against the Philistines, the Amorites, the Moabites, the Edomites, the Arameans and the Amalekites, and he also succeeded in drawing the tribes of Israel closer together. So he was doing pretty well as king. But Saul had a problem. <laughs> After a time of leadership, Saul began to think of himself, I'm king. <laughs> you know, people, uh, people need to listen to who I am. And Samuel, who anointed Saul, well, Saul began to think of himself as an equal with Samuel, maybe even a little higher because he's king. Well, his initial conflict came with Samuel, occurred after offering, we find in, in 1 Samuel 13, verse 3, this is his first great mistake. Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he ruled over Israel for 42 years. 
Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. There were 2,000 men who stayed with him at Michmash in the hill country of Bethel. There were 1,000 men who stayed with Jonathan in Gilbead in Benjamin. Saul sent the other men in, 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 in the army back home. Jonathan defeated the Philistines at their camp in Gibeah. And the Philistines heard about this, and they said, the Hebrews have rebelled. So what happened? The, the uh, Philistines had kind of conquered the, 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 the Israelites. And uh, somewhere in, in, in this whole process, they took all the blacksmiths out of Israel. And they, they took them all to the, home, the, home, the homeland of the Philistines. And so none of the Israelites had, had swords. They didn't have spears because all the blacksmiths were gone. So the Philistines really crippled the, the, the Israel. You know, how they allowed such a thing to happen, uh, you don't know, but that's what happened. So Saul let the Hebrew people hear what happened. So Saul told the men to go blow the trumpets in the land of Israel. Verse 4. All the Israelites heard this news, and Saul, um, Saul has killed the Philistine leader. Now the Philistines really hate the Israelites. Israelites were called to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines gathered to fight. The Philistines camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. They had 3,000 chariots and 6,000 horses, horse soldiers. There were so many Philistines that they were like sand on the seashore. The Israelites saw that they were in trouble. They felt trapped. Now this gives you the kind of the, the insight into the, the great um, abilities of the people of that time. They ran and hid in caves and cracks in the rocks. <laughs> so here's his army. Saul's army. He's ready to go and attack the Philistines. But what happens is they felt like they couldn't win. They don't have anything to fight with. So they hid among the rocks. They hid in the wells they, and in other holes in the ground. Some Hebrews even went across the Jordan River to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal. All the men in his army were shaking with fear. Samuel, he would meet Saul at Gilgal. Samuel the prophet told Saul, I'll be there in seven days. Saul, wanted there, Saul waited there seven days. But Samuel had not yet come to Gilgal, and the soldiers began to leave Saul. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offerings. He thought himself better than Samuel. Now he puts, takes upon himself the position of being a prophet. He is king, not prophet. And he offered a sacrifice that only Samuel was permitted to do. And bring me the offerings. And Saul offered the burnt offering. And as soon as Saul finished offering the sacrifice, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet him. Samuel asked, what have you done? Saul has a good answer. I saw the soldiers leaving. You were not here on time. It's your fault. <laughs> it's basically what he was saying, Samuel. It's your fault. If you'd arrived here on time, seven days, I got my watch on, <laughs> whatever the sundial was saying. Uh, he said, you gather a mic-mash. I thought to myself. I thought to myself. 
The Philistines will come back here and tack me at Gilgal, and I haven't asked the Lord for help yet. So I forced myself. <laughs> it's not my fault. I forced myself to, to offer these burnt offerings. Well, that was a big no-no in the law of God and the whole, whole thing of the whole dimension of what was going on at the time. So Samuel said, you did a foolish thing. You did not obey the Lord your God, and if you had done what he commanded, the Lord would have let your family rule Israel forever. You remember when David, the prophet says to David, your family line, the line of Jesus Christ comes through David. The line of Jesus Christ could have come through Saul. But he wouldn't obey what he knew to be right. So, the second disagreement, and I'll try to be brief, but that won't happen. The second disagreement took place after Saul retained a, uh, <laughs> he had been sent out to fight the Amalekites, okay? Now, you've got to understand the Amalekites. The Amalekites have been a fierce enemy of Israel, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they're going in, you know, they're, they're, they're going in the desert to the mount where they received the commandments. The Amalekites, they were the people who brought up the rear and killed all the, people, all the stragglers. They were like the wolves that hunt the animals that are, that are weak or are staggering or left behind or fall behind. Well, the Amalekites... They just continually killed and fought the, the children of Israel as they're wandering through the desert. So they became this hated enemy uh, of Israel. And so when Saul, Saul was told, go in and fight the Amalekites, and God was bringing judgment against the Amalekites because they were wicked people. He goes and he tells them, you go down there and you wipe out every Amalekite. You, you kill out the whole tribe because they were wicked people. And they were always fighting against Israel. And they, they needed repaid for their, uh, the, the many people that they killed coming out of, out of Egypt and the stragglers. They wouldn't fight the army. They wouldn't fight the main body. They just kept raiding the, the camp. So, verse 14 of chapter 15. Well, we'll start with verse 13. When Samuel reached him, when Samuel reached Saul, the Lord bless you, Saul says. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Huh, you know there's a problem. <laughs> he's, telling, he's telling, I did exactly as God said. Well, this is Saul now. His good character has kind of lost its place, gone to the other side of a bad character. Uh, Samuel says, what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? <laughs> they they were supposed to wipe out everything. They weren't, they weren't to take anything from the land. The reason God told them not to keep it, they were to, the, the success of Israel was dependent on God, not their ability to conquer and, and take bounty or booty or whatever it is. They were not, their, their, their wealth was not to come from conquering other people. Their wealth was to come from God. And so, in this case, these Amalekites, they were pretty wealthy in animals and things, and so uh, they went down there, killed all the soldiers, most of them. And so Saul answered, the soldiers brought them. <laughs> Excuse me. So 
I, I was, was going to kill everybody, kill them all, but you know, the soldiers. I, ha I have a heart for the soldiers. <laughs> I have a heart for the soldiers. Uh, they brought them. They brought all these animals, the Amalekites. They spared the beast and the sheep and the cattle. And they did this to sacrifice to the Lord your God. It's, it's not my fault. <laughs> well, enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord has said last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Although you were once small in your own eyes, you had a good character, good quality. Did you not become the head of Is the tribe of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until they have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? He had a direct command. Verse 20. This is Saul. I did. I, honestly, I did that. I did all that. I went to them the mission. I, I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. And I even brought back Agag. Wednesday night people? Agag? Haman the hangman is an, Ang Am Am <laughs> is an Amalekite who is a descendant of Agag. <laughs> so in the book of Esther, some 500 years later, the tribe, the people that Saul was supposed to wipe out are now going to, in the book of Esther, are going to wipe out the nation of Israel. And Saul didn't obey what God told him to do because it's not my fault. It's the soldiers. They wanted these things. So, I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord assigned. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and I brought Agag, their king, back here. The soldiers took the sheep. <laughs> The soldiers took the cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God. And, and I killed all the rest. <laughs> but Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? You see, in our walk with God, it is one for us. It's not like I'm in this for me, <laughs> what I can get out of this. I'm in this for God. And God is in this for me. See, God is, God is for you. But it isn't, you know, people who are prideful, arrogant, boastful, I'm in this, I can do this, I can do that, they have no thought of God. It's not my fault, it's just what our society tells us. But in reality, we are in this for God. That in my mother's womb, God knew me, formed me, planned out my days. He gave me gifts and abilities and callings. He has, he has a will for my life and a purpose for my life. And, and he has a direction he wants me to go. And there are all these things. So I'm in this for God. And guess what? God is in this for me. So what I give to God, God brings back to me. In blessings and in direction and in confidence and peace, knowing that I am safe in his arms no matter what happens in life. God is with me. Saul went from being a guy hiding in the supplies to I gotta do what the will of the people are. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's, it's, I'm doing this for the people. 
Saul's, Saul went from pleasing Samuel and God to trying to please people. When you, when you shift, when you, if you make that shift, you lose your character. That's what happened to Saul. He lost his character. The character that God initially saw in him to be the leader of Israel, to be the one who would be the lineage of Jesus Christ. But Saul thought it was more important to make the people happy than to obey God. And he lost. <laughs> so what happened to Saul? It says that uh, fell into a state of melancholy. <laughs> and I looked that up. A mental condition, especially a manic depressive condition, characterized by extreme depression, bodily complaints, and often hallucinations and delusions that developed into a mental disorder. So in chapter 18, verse 8, this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with 10,000 and me with one only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. <laughs> and this is where Saul makes David an enemy and decides to try and kill him. The challenge for us in this whole lesson is to recognize how that Saul's failure to wipe out and to do what God wanted. 500 years later, the, the tables are completely turned and Esther becomes queen in order to save the nation of Israel from the Amalekites, from this one man who is Haman, who is going to, he plotted and had every Jewish person was to lose everything they possess and killing them and taking everything they have is not a problem. <laughs> and Esther turned it around. Who knows whether you've come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. So what Saul didn't do, Esther did 500 years later. So in our life, don't compare. <laughs> don't be looking and saying he's better, she's better, they're better, they're great. No. We are who we are by divine appointment. And that God has called us to be who we are with our own abilities and with our own calling. And that Saul, he became jealous, resentful, and bitter. If we find those qualities, let them go. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. You see, we're allowing the spirit of God to change and to cleanse not only this body, our sinfulness, but our spirit and our life and to give us that life that we can walk with God and not become Saul, but become like David. Father, we thank you that you challenge us by your spirit and your word to grow and to develop and to be strengthened that we might have a heart that seeks after you, that we would have a spirit that desires to walk with you, and that we would have character, the character that would keep us from doing and saying the wrong things. God, thank you that you would create in us a right spirit, a clean heart. Renew our mind. Give us the strength of your spirit and of your word. And we thank you for the strength of character that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
I did that for the Wednesday night group. <laughs> the Agag, you know. So this is, you know, we talked about how that Esther was, uh, uh, she won the beauty contest because of what Saul didn't complete. <laughs> yeah. So come Wednesday night and hear the rest of the story. <laughs>